It's the 10th of March, 2023. We are the fine folks from geekradiodaily.com welcoming you to Mario Day. That means it's March 10th. M-A-R-1-0 spells out Mario. Get it? <laughs> We're the folks that are bringing it to you today. The lovely lady that we love, even though she's a little wacky, that's the Cinemistress. Insanity runs in my family. Me, I'm... I forgot that that was still playing. (laughs) I'm doing this live like Billy does. It's a lot harder than it seems. Me, I'm not the wonderful Billy Flynn, but I am podcasting's Rich Siegfried. You think you're stupid, don't you? No, I don't think you're stupid. I just think maybe Well, what happened today, ma'am? In 1797, Thomas Jefferson presents a paper on the Megalonics megalonics mm-hmm. to the american philosophical society it will be published as a memoir on the discovery of certain bones of a quadruped of the clawed kind in western parts of virginia 1849 abraham lincoln becomes the first u.s president to apply for a patent the patent is described as a method of buoying vessels over shoals surprisingly it wasn't for a beard without a mustache 1862 the united states issues the first modern paper money commonly called greenbacks, to replace demand notes. Demand your notes. Greenbacks will be issued until 1971. 1876, Alexander Graham Bell, age 29, makes the first telephone call in history between two neighboring rooms of his laboratory in a boarding house at 5 Executive Place, Boston. In an excited voice, he shouts, Mr. Watson, come here, I want you! Hello. In truth, Bell didn't immediately realize that his demonstration had worked. He was... Hurriedly setting things up, when he spilled acid, Bell's plea was directed to a nearby Mr. Watson in the hope that he would come to help quickly clean up the spill. Rather than hearing Bell through the wall, Watson heard his voice through the device. 1891, Alman Brown Stroger is issued a patent for his electromechanical switch to automate telephone exchanges. 1902, a United States Court of Appeals rules that Thomas Edison did not... Invent the movie camera. 1918, Warner Brothers Studios releases its first major film, My Four Years in Germany. What a terrible time to be in Germany. 1922, the Variety Entertainment trade magazine runs an article entitled Radio, Sweeping Country, Million Sets in Use. 1948, Herbert H. Hoover, a test pilot for the National Advisory Committee on Aeronautics, NACA, hey, I learned about that in trivia, (laughs) becomes the first civilian pilot to exceed the speed of sound in a Bell X-1 aircraft at Edwards Air Force Base in California. 1950, RCA shoots the first color television recording at its Silver Spring Laboratory using the dot sequential system. 1955, the final episode of The Silver Eagle is broadcast, marking the end of an era of adventure stories which were so prominent during the golden age of radio. 1962, Wally Weaver writes a testimony concerning Dr. Manhattan, attended by Senators George Malloy, Colin Newberry, and William Holmes. 1970, Mika becomes the first satellite launched from the Kourou spaceport in French Guiana. 1972, Universal Studios releases science fiction film Silent Running, directed by Douglas Trumbull and starring Bruce Dern, Cliff Potts, Ron Rifkin, and Jesse Vint. 1977, astronomers James L. Elliott Edward W. Dunham and Jessica Mink discover rings around Uranus. (laughs) Although in 1789, William Herschel also reported observing rings 
around Uranus. <laughs> but modern astronomers are skeptical that he could have actually seen them as they are very faint and dark. Should wash more. <laughs> 1986, Japan's first interplanetary spacecraft, Sakage, passes within 6.8 million kilometers of Halley's Comet. 1997, the ashes of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry are launched into space in a capsule about the size of a stick of lipstick aboard the space shuttle Columbia. The ashes will remain in orbit for approximately five years until their canister burns up upon reentry. 1997, the fantasy television series Buffy the Vampire Slayer, starring Sarah Michelle Gellar, premieres on the WB episode titled... Welcome to the Hellmouth. I know it's Hellmouth, but it looks like it should be pronounced myth. The series picks up where the 1992 movie of the same name left off. 1998, Nintendo of America announces plans to release a version of the Game Boy handheld video game system with a color screen capable of displaying up to 56 colors of a 32,000 color 16-bit palette at one time. 1999, the founding of BattleBots is announced by Trey Roski and Greg Munson, the two former builders of the famous Robot Wars competitor, La Machine. In 2000, Touchstone Pictures releases the science fiction film Mission to Mars, directed by Brian De Palma and starring Gary Sinise, Tim Robbins, Don Cheadle, and Jerry O'Connell. And have they apologized? No, they haven't. <laughs> 2006, the NASA Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, or MRO, enters orbit around Mars. In 2011, Bright Eyes Treatment at Gensys begins in San Francisco, California. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Birthdays? Rafe Spall is 40 from Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Prometheus, and the BFG. Bree Turner is 46 from Deuce Bigelow and Rosalie on Grimm. John Hamm is 52 from The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, I'm sorry, John. Mad Men and Sucker Punch. Oh, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and Confess Fletch. He's oh. in a lot of things. Oh, I still haven't seen Confess Fletch. I want to. Oh, Fair he's such bye. a good thing. Piaget Brewster is 54, lovely, talented, fantastic voice actress as well. Uh, from another period, Criminal Minds, Lois Lane in Gods and Monsters, uh, and of course, a fantastic season of Community. And seriously, uh, check her and Paul F. Tompkins out on the Amazing Adventure Hour. Ooh, I love those characters. Sharon Stone is 55 from Basic Instinct, Scissors, we're not talking about her legs, Quick and the Dead, and <laughs> Catwoman. <laughs> Uh, but we are talking about Catwoman. All right, fair enough. Robert Llewellyn is 67. He was Crichton from Red Dwarf. Aloma Wright is 74. Laverne on Scrubs mm. and Gretchen in Suits. Chuck Norris is 83. I don't think that dude is ever going to die. No, of course. It just keeps kicking death right in the face when he comes <laughs> up. Oscar Quiddack is 96. The old obligatory hunchback in Revenge of Frankenstein. Born the state no longer with us, 1905. Richard Hayden... Caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland. And in 1937, Joe Vitarelli. Jelly and analyze this and analyze that. What's on TV, Carol? <laughs> on CBS is new SWAT. And a massive wildfire strikes the neighboring region and South Station 42 and others are called in to help manage an out-of-control blaze and a new fire country. Also, new blue bloods. I'm keeping it simple because I'm pushing lots of buttons. Billy's better at this than I am. ABC has Shark Tank and Twente Twente. NBC has Lopez versus Lopez, Young Rock, and Dateline Ferb TV. Is that two <laughs> or, or is that one? No, Dateline it's Dateline and Ferb TV. No, it's Dateline Ferb TV. Oh. It's the it's a sequel to Dateline Phineas TV. FX oh. has WWE Friday Night SmackDown, brother. CW has a rerun of Penn and Teller Fool Us. Freeform has nothing, but AMC has The Mummy. 
we'd all rather be watching right now. <laughs> FX has the help. FXX has Simpsons, but mostly a Bob's Burgers marathon. FXM has Bohemian Rhapsody. Ooh, I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of that, to be honest. IFC has Avatar, a movie that nobody asked for and sequels nobody asked for. BBC America has The Bone Collector. Sounds like a movie I accidentally rented 13 or 14 times. Siffy has the Men in Black Trilogy. TBS has Nobody's Fool. TNT has Avengers. Age of Ultron. That's not as bad as everyone says. Science Channel has How It's Made Marathon. Really kind of is. But we're going to be watching the Lifetime Movie Network after a mother encounters a scare when her three-year-old daughter disappears for six months after she finally returns. She faces tragedy again and seeks answers when her child goes missing 15 years following the traumatic incident. Alicia Lee Willis and Ashley Jones stars in Saving My Daughter. Ugh, that sounds bad. That does. The wonderful Billy Flynn looks at what Chad and Abby are up to now. If you know what TV show they're on this week, you could win yourself a prize. It's your further adventures of Chad and Abby update. In the future of 2020, times are tough. Chad is tougher thanks to Jack upgrading the suit. This causes the fall that puts him in a state of neural defibrillation. While Jack tries to recover him, Chad is having flashbacks of himself. Some of them even include Abby and his brother Thomas. The alter ego is telling him that it's time to go, but Chad believes he can do more. But Chad believes that he can do more as this superior strength. Will this be the end or just a cliffhanger till a psychic shows up in season two? Hashtag Chad forever. Let's check the inbox. I don't know. I don't have access to it. But if you have access to it, please send us a note to podcast at geekradiodaily.com. Or, of course, leave us a text message or voicemail to the magic numbers of... 510-GRD-CREW. That's 510-GRD-CREW. Oh, but wait. But if they send us a message, how am I supposed to get it? Hi, my name is Terry J. Allman, host of Video Fuzzy, the podcast Confessions of a Media Pack Rat, with thousands of VHS to DVD transfers and no idea what's on them. I'm cataloging furiously, however, and every two weeks I'll update you with what I've been finding in my classic recordings, my current recordings, and what I've been watching, sifting this basket of media memories. With a media collection stretching back to the 80s, this will take a while, but just hang on, we'll get through this together. For Video Fuzzy, I'm Terry J. Allman. Happy viewing. It might be amazing, it might just be scuzzy, we'll find out together on Video Fuzzy Media. It's Friday night, and I swear the toilet was full of guacamole when I bought it. Come play Jackbox games with Geek Radio Daily, and maybe Flynn will ring the bell. That's just so damn icky. (laughs) Why would there be... I don't even know. Now get your popcorn ready. Let's see what's playing, folks. I got an idea for a movie. Doesn't everybody? Oh, we've got our official cinemistress here, so surely she'll know what's what's. Opening nationwide, a former minor league basketball coach who, after a series of missteps, is ordered by the court to manage a team of players with intellectual disabilities, soon realizes that despite his doubts, together, this team can go further than they ever imagined. Wow, this sounds so original. Woody Harrelson, Caitlin Olson, and Cheech Marin in Champions. A catastrophic crash on an unknown planet. Pilot Mills quickly discovers he's actually stranded on Earth. Uh, 65 million years ago uh, now with oh okay that's just a regular sentence now with only one chance at rescue mills and the other survivor 
Koa must make their way across an unknown terrain riddled with dangerous prehistoric creatures in an epic fight to survive. Adam Driver and Ariana Greenblatt star in basically, I think, what was kind of supposed to be that Will Smith, Jaden Smith movie, but with better actors? 65. The four survivors leave Woodsboro behind and start a fresh chapter. They go to New York, but an old friend shows up. Hayden Pantieri, Jenna Ortega, and Dermot Mulroney in Scream 6. Boy, they're uh, only beating the dead horse on that one, huh? Well, if you'd like to see other creatures being resurrected and smacked around, that's probably what's going to be in this movie, then tune into Sven Gulli. He's got the classic featuring a mad doctor who conducts ghastly genetic experiments on a remote island in the South Seas, much to the fear and disgust of the shipwrecked sailor who finds himself trapped there. See Layla Himes, Bella Lugosi, and Charles Lawton as Dr. Moreau in 1932's Island of Lost Souls. Only on MeTV. I'm not wearing any pants. Film at 11. Geek News! Bring uh, the world in the geek and the stuff. I forgot to write that down. The Room has certainly earned its place in cinematic history, albeit as one of the most notoriously bad films ever made that managed to gain mainstream notoriety. Made by the elusive and strange Tommy Wiseau, the film celebrates its 20th anniversary this year. And it sounds like we will be getting a pretty bizarre treat to help commemorate that anniversary in the form of a remake starring none other than Bob Odenkirk of Better Call Saul and Mr. Showfame. Yes, you heard that right. Oh, hi, Bob. You're looking very beautiful tonight. Let's remake my movie, huh? Podcaster Justin DeClos taking to Twitter to say, I'm very excited to the feature length The Room remake shot mostly on green screen, in which the Tommy Wiseau role is taken over by Bob Odenkirk, and it's not played as a joke. Hey, it wasn't played as a joke when Wiseau made it. Well, at least not until people started laughing at it. Wiseau's The Room has inspired much fanfare over the years, including sold-out midnight screenings across the country, a rabid cult following, room parties at cons, and a much-acclaimed film all about how the infamous cinematic train wreck came together in the form of A24's The Disaster Artist. The idea of remaking it in its entirety... With a guy like Odenkirk at the center is exceptionally bizarre. But if anybody can pull it off, that's, he's the man for the job. But the thing is, I don't know if I can buy Odenkirk in a Wiseau wig as Tommy. But will the remake answer the many unanswered questions of the original? Will Denny ever get his butter? What about Claudette's breast cancer? What happened to Peter? I know, I know. The answer is always, don't worry about it. Australian researchers have discovered a substance that converts air into electricity, opening the way for future devices to be powered by the air around them. I bet it's fart-powered. What? It's a renewable energy. Scientists from Monash University discovered that an enzyme produced by the common bacterium found in soil, Mycobacterium smegmatis, <laughs> naturally converts hydrogen in, in the air into electricity. So are these scientists now called smegets? <laughs> the researchers leads author Dr. Reese Grinter from Monash University Biomedicine Discovery Institute said that they had done a number of experiments to show HUC was generating power from air. It can turn oxygen. Oh, wait a minute. He's Aussie. It can turn hydrogen in the air into an electrical current that we can measure and that can power a small electrical circuit. He said, we've only done this in a lab setting so far. But we're confident that once it's scaled up, 
it will be able to power a range of devices. Uh, I never knew Harley Quinn was uh, Australian. I think Tesla's ghost just perked up, though. While HUC could not generate electricity at the level of a power plant, it could be used to power smaller devices, such as watches and smartphones. It can generate even more power when extra hydrogen is added, meaning it's well-placed to become part of the hydrogen take-up. The key difference between existing batteries and those that used HUC was that the latter could continue drawing power from the air theoretically indefinitely. This sounds like an important new step toward renewable energy, energy taken from the things we already have. You know, as long as we have air to take it from. And when I asked President Scrooge about it, he assured me that there's absolutely no air shortage whatsoever. Last year, Adam McKay took aim at Chevron with a satirical commercial. And now McKay has returned with another lighthearted helping of existential dread in the form of a video where Darth Vader praises Exxon CEO Darren Woods for his commitment to sowing death and destruction. All too easy. The clip sees Vader state that he is moved to record a message of love and admiration to Exxon after learning about deeds so treacherous that I became envious. He recounts some of these evil acts going through Exxon's history of ignoring and hiding data about the dangers of fossil fuels and its ongoing campaign to sow doubt about the reality and extent of climate change. I've murdered dozens of Jedi toddlers with my own hands, but Exxon, that is some unlock the secret bonus level cheat code evil shit you pulled, Darth said. Mad respect. Now you are the master. The Dark Lord of the Sith goes on to single out Woods. Exxon's current CEO for doing exactly what I would do with the company, cashing checks and murdering life 24-7. The spot links to the website Exxon New, which has further details on the nefarious work that Vader loves so much, along with a petition that aims to have the U.S. Department of Justice and the State Attorneys General investigate big oil and make polluters pay. I find their lack of faith disturbing. While this is collecting signatures, we imagine that Darth Vader is staying busy with a follow-up on his love letter to Exxon, putting out feelers to see if the company might want to invest in his own business proprietary technology, a gigantic moon-shaped death ship that can more efficiently destroy planets with a single laser blast, or a way to track down religious child kidnapping zealots. After 40 years, two stars of the hit series MASH reunited to read out a new scene for the show. The twist? It was completely written by artificial intelligence. Alan Alda, who played the main character Benjamin Hawkeye Pierce in the series, brought former co-star Mike Farrell, who played BJ Honeycutt, to his podcast, Clear and Vivid, for this unique task. The new scene was created with ChatGPT, the software that has fascinated the internet for several weeks now. Alda's 87 and still hip to the stuff the kids are into? Man, he's a treasure. Alda, who is interested in the capabilities of AI, especially when it comes to writing for TV, used the software to create a scene in which Hawkeye accuses BJ of stealing his boxers. He instructed the software to make it funny, but whether it was successful is debatable, as Alda said later in the podcast episode, it has a terrible sense of humor. And TV writers everywhere rejoice that AI can't write Emmy-level scripts. The scene begins with Hawkeye saying, Where are they? My shorts. BJ responds, your what? My shorts, the ones I wear every time I have important surgery. I know you took them, says Hawkeye. BJ notes, I wouldn't be caught dead in your underwear. Guy comments, they're not just underwear, they're comfortable and I like wearing them, and they're missing. I should probably look where my mind is. Nope, it's not in the gutter. 
The conversation is simple and straightforward, but you can see how the AI software attempted to add humor and character. No, no, we can't. At GPT's scene continues with VJ saying, oh, you mean your lucky shorts? Hawkeye responds, they're not lucky. I don't believe in that nonsense. VJ disputes that, adding, like the time you were wearing the same pair of socks for a week because you won a game of poker in them? Well, he cleaned them in the river before he flopped into bed. The scene continues with the two arguing about whether or not Hawkeye is superstitious before he utters a line, I can't believe you're taking that seriously. I'm not superstitious. And those are just my normal everyday shorts. I wear them because they inspire me and they remind me of my grandmother. All the share that he actually edited out the part of the last quote that said that the shorts reminded Hawkeye of his grandmother because she once bet on a horse that turned out to be a cow and still managed to make a profit. Okay, now that's funnier than anything any AI could write. It's not exactly Emmy-winning writing, that's for sure, but artificial intelligence is quite accomplished. As for whether or not the new scene is canon for MASH fans, Alda says that's for future generations to determine. Just throw Frank or Charles in to complain about the state of Swamp after the research and have Radar bust in saying choppers are on the way, then polish up the jokes. That would be a darn good episode. One of the stars from the classic science fiction franchise Star Trek will soon be heading to the stars. The United Launch Alliance has announced that May will be the first launch of the Vulcan Centaur rocket. The Vulcan Centaur is slated to replace the company's previous models, the Atlas V and Delta IV. It is over 200 feet tall and is reported to be capable of carrying up to 60,000 pounds into low Earth orbit. Vulcan Centaur is my new favorite Norwegian metal band, a horse's cover band. The rocket will be carrying a number of items, including the Astrobotics Technology Peregrine Lunar Lander, or ATPL, prototype broadband satellites for Amazon to create a network and provide high-speed global internet connection to underserved communities across the globe, and of course, the ashes of our beloved Ohura. That's fitting, since she was way too good for this Earth. Michelle Nichols will not be the only ashes aboard the ship, and exploring space... Hers will be one of a collection of about 150 capsules that will be launched on the ship, including ashes from a number of other cast members and Star Trek's creator. The capsules also include DNA from Presidents George Washington, Dwight D. Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy, and Ronald Reagan. For some reason, they seem to have an excess of DNA from JFK. Wonder why. Uh, The mission will take off from Florida's Cape Canaveral Space Station on May 4th, 2023. A fitting date, given its unofficial status as an annual celebration of the Star Wars franchise. Um. Okay, granted, Nichelle Nichols is a Star Trek icon who was also a prominent singer and dancer who'd worked with music legends Duke Ellington and Lionel Hampton. She was also one of the first black women to feature in a major television series. Outside of her work in Star Trek, Nichols became an ambassador for NASA and was instrumental in recruiting some of the first women and ethnic minority astronauts into the program. Astronaut Mae Jemison, the first black woman to ever travel into space, cited Nichelle Nichols' Ohura as an inspiration for her desire to become an astronaut. She was a treasure to Earth, and now she'll be a treasure to the stars. And her fan dance was a treasure to my 12-year-old, um, heart. GRD is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. Come check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and hit us up on our website at geekradiodaily.com. It's a good place to be. Drop a review on ye old iTunes if, uh, you know, you'd like. We'd really prefer it. And, of course, don't forget our Patreon, guys. Stuff's coming soon, I promise. And send a note to podcast at geekradio.com. 
We'll see you next time. We see you. Mr. Fletcher, did you know the victim, Laurel Goodwin? Mm-mm. We never offer up the victim's name. Shh. It's Grizz's turn. Never met her. At least not while she was alive. What flight were you on? Alitalia. I landed at 8.46 p.m. But you didn't call the police until 11.09. Well, I stopped and had dinner at the Warren Tavern on the way in. Can you produce proof of that? A receipt, perhaps? I paid cash. What do you do for a living? I'm a freelance journalist. I've spent the last two years traveling Europe, writing about art. Quite the art collection Mr. Tassily has. Yeah. Paul Clay out there, Degas horse. I saw a Warhol over there by the fish tank. See, this is my theory. I think the victim interrupted an art theft. The thief got spooked, bonked her over the head, and then ran. No amateur sleuthing, please. Listen, I used to be an investigative reporter of some repute. I could be very helpful in this whole matter. I used to play the trumpet in high school. I never offered advice to Miles Davis. Shut up and talk. That's a very confusing combination of commands. Mr. Fletcher, why are you in Boston? I'm researching a book, the definitive biography of Edgar Arthur Tharp Jr. The cowboy painter. You've heard of him. I prefer Remington.